again from the sin capital of the western world Greenwich Village we bring you the greatest Jews harp player in the western world the only man who's made the kazoo pay here he is the idol of the air lanes Gene Shepard sickening thing (laughs) oh wow you know, it just, just once, I would love to see an orgy break out. Is there any of you here who would know what to do if it did? <laughs> you always read about these, and you wonder where the guys find out how they do it, you know? I think the average American in the middle of an orgy would say, is there a Coke machine here? But you know, things are changing. And a couple of nights ago, I, I read a little thing on the air, and I've had a dozen requests to read it again. And I'm about to do it to show you that we are in the middle of an entirely new era in America. I've always felt that you find the secret of what life is about in the comic strips. Reading. I think that a thousand years from now, guys are going to have copies of uh, Little Orphan Annie. And they will be pouring over them, you see. Because this is what people believed then. I wonder how many of you felt that Sandy would have made a good senator. <laughs> I mean, he sounds like a lot of them I've known. <laughs> oh, by the way, is there anybody in this crowd that can tell me what it is that Sandy said? <laughs> Fellow victims. <laughs> it's about the only thing they can remember, you know. I can't remember the Star Spangled Banner. I can't remember my school song, but I can remember the little Orphan Annie theme song. Who's that little chatterbox? The one with curly auburn locks. Who do I see? It's little Orphan Annie. That that what I don't do. Arf goes Sandy. What a sick mind. But listen to this one. This was taken from the May issue of a comic strip. And it's about Batman. You all know Batman. He's a big man these days. He's making it big. And here's a picture, see? It shows these four guys dressed, you know, in the kind of suits they wear in the Batman thing. It looks like they're sprayed on them, you know, big, fantastic Superman suit. You know, big shoulders. Look at these guys. There's four of them there, see? One, two, three, four. And over here on the right is Batman. And all four of these good guys with the masks, I wonder what they're scared of. Always with the mask, see? All four of them are standing there, and they are trapped by the evil mad scientist. He's got all four of them, see? And he says to them, Look, not only are you doomed, not only are each one of you doomed, but everyone you have touched is doomed. And they're all looking scared. And you see that little balloon over their head, you know, that shows that they're thinking, the balloon with the fringe on it, you know? That shows thinking, see? The one on the left says, Great Scott, Jean Lorne, I've signed her death warrant. And the guy next to him says, Oh no, no, I gave Iris West the kiss of death. And the one next to him says, Oh poor Carol, Carol Ferris, she is doomed. And Batman says, Robin, what have I done to you? (laughs) 
Oh, there's a new world out there, kiddies. I'll tell you, if you ain't part of it, there's going to be trouble, I'll tell you. Oh, wow, you know, this, this, this thing, of course, it has many ramifications. Like, uh, for example, today I'm watching a TV show, and they're talking about sin. It's a big issue, you know, today. Crime. And I'm sitting there, and these kids are being interviewed. One kid talks about how he stole a Buick. They have him in profile, see. Another kid sits there, and he tells how he broke into this store, and he robbed it. And I'm thinking, gee, these kids really are pros. I remember when I was a kid, how many of you sitting out there, each one of you, I know you have to have had it, growing up, a moment of stark, sheer terror when the thing that you have always feared happened, actually occurred. Like a, a typical example, like we had, this, we had this big street in front of our house, and we played baseball on it. You know, you know those little pickup games, we'd get out there in Schwartz and Flick and Bruner, that kind of thing, first, first bounce, you're out, you hit it over the third line, and it's a double, that kind of thing. See, there's one of those little four-man ball games. And right on the other side of the street, was Mrs. Stryker's house. Even now, when I hear that name, little things go up and down my spine. Everybody has one of these ladies in the neighborhood. This lady with the fangs. You know, and she's got little things sticking out of her hair, little pins, little nets on her hair, you know, that kind of little flower dresses. And she's the one that always says, if you hit another ball on that yard, I'm going to call the police. This is the police caller. There's one in every neighborhood. And there was old Mrs. Stryker's house, and it was that kind of house, you know, with the little geranium beds. And it has a little crane, you know, made out of, made out of plaster standing in the middle with the foot up. You know, and I've always wondered the symbolic meaning behind this. This is a Jersey thing, too, by the way. That's that pedestal that stands up there with a the big glass ball on it. It's purple. What does it mean, you know? I hate to think. I think back on it. There's a lot of symbolism there, you know. And, and speaking of Jersey, one night I'm driving along. This, this is a kind of aesthetics I've never been able to understand. That kind of stuff where, where people put ducks in the yard, you know, made out of uh, plastic. <laughs> You've seen those plastic ducks and chickens and roosters and stuff. Well, over in Jersey, right now... I'm driving along at 5 o'clock when you hit this stuff early in the morning can be bad. I mean, really, you know, at 5 o'clock in the morning, I am going through Paramus. See, don't ask me why. None of your damn business. It's 5 in the morning, I'm driving along, and I, I come along, not a car on the street. I'm driving along, and, and there is a stoplight. You know that sneaky thing? I've got to go through one, just once. And then you chicken out. I wonder if uh, guys like Lucky Luciano did that, you know? <laughs> I always wonder about Al Capone. Did he run lights, you know? <laughs> Pay his tickets and stuff. So I'm driving along, and I stop. I'm waiting. It's dawn. Well, dawn in Jersey can be very, can be very spooky. The air is kind of smoky, see? And there is still the aroma of yesterday hanging over it. <laughs> Yesterday's defeat, see? still hanging in the air there and the clouds are high and there's just a little touch of, of red and yellow over in the eastern sky. The sun is coming up and all the houses are gray. 
You know that early morning dawn thing when all the houses are sitting there and everybody's asleep? You get this sense of being the only guy in the world. The lights are going off and on. Red, green, walk. There's nobody. Green, red, caution, walk, stop. I'm sitting there seeing my car. And I look out, you know, I'm just looking around, and all of a sudden I see on the corner opposite me, right in the middle of a yard, this concrete Mexican. I mean, he's a concrete Mexican, see? And he's got a big concrete hat, you know, sombrero, and it's painted brown. And he's got a concrete serape all over him. You know, it's all painted. a little faded, you know. The rain has washed it up. His face there. And he's got this concrete rope. He's standing like this. And behind him is a concrete donkey. You know, he's standing there. He's got a concrete saddle and the whole business. And they're standing there, see? I said, there's a concrete donkey in this guy's yard. It's pure Jersey. <laughs> What went through his mind one day? He's sitting in his front, you know, he's sitting in the living room watching, watching Naked City or something, drinking his Valentine beer. His wife is sitting next to him. He says, you know, Madge, there's something missing. <laughs> you know, Madge, what we need is a concrete Mexican. <laughs> And she says, well, how much are they? He said, I don't know. I never priced them. And the next day, the two of them go down there in their Buick, you know, and they're at the concrete Mexican store. And, and of course, they must have them in different sizes, you know. There must be a little one and a big one and then the big family size, you know. And the guy walks in. He says, that's the little Mexican there. He says, well, that's $150. $150. Yes, you know, you don't get concrete Mexicans everywhere, you know. They're handmade. That makes them better, you see. And he says, uh, $150. How much is the big one? He says, you might as well save money. That's the family size. $175. Bucks. And that night, they install their concrete Mexican. It is delivered, see. And it's put right next to the plastic crane, you know, and it's standing there. You know. And there it is, you see, with the geraniums, and they stand there proudly, and he says, well, we ought to have a little party or something, have a little toast or something with a concrete Mexican. And they invite the neighbors over. And five or six of these Jersey types are standing around looking at the Mexicans. Very pretty, Charlie. It's a real good Mexican. One of the best Mexicans I've ever seen. Oh, he said the best Mexicans are concrete Mexicans. And somebody else on the other side of the cross says, you, you, wouldn't want your, you wouldn't want your daughter to marry one of them, would you? He says, a concrete Mexican? No. Well, of course, maybe with his daughter, it might not be a bad idea, you know. She's made of plastic, see. So they're all standing there. And he says, concrete Mexican? I said, terrific. You know. Well, we've done it, Mabel. Life is complete. They go up on the porches. The sun is going down over the western horizon and it's bouncing off the top of that concrete sombrero they sit there and look down he says you know I ain't done so bad for a guy from Teaneck <laughs> hey left boy they ought to see me now 
Got myself a 53 Buick. We got a 17-inch set, the concrete Mexican. <laughs> Not much else left to do, Mabel. And they go back in the house, and so the next morning, there it is. I'm seeing this thing. Saying, I look at it. And it hits me suddenly, right out of the blue. I look at him, and he's looking directly at me, see. He's looking, shut up there at the bar. He's looking at me, see. And the, the burrow is looking at him. And all three of us are frozen in time. At five o'clock in the morning, and the light keeps saying, stop, go, walk. And I, I, I missed two whole lights, just looking, see. I, at first, I thought he'd move. And he doesn't, see. You can see the dew dripping off the brim of his sombrero. And then, gradually, I put it in the first, and I slid across the intersection, and I could see him in the rear-view mirror as I disappeared over the horizon. I could see that concrete Mexican just standing there. His happy little face, looking out over the Jersey Meadows, you know, just looking. And I, I drove about two blocks, and all of a sudden I get this idea. Somewhere, it has to be, outside of Mexico City. <laughs> In this pleasant little Mexican suburb, you know, where all these friendly little middle-class Mexicans are living there out there, you know, there must be a concrete New Jerseyite. <laughs> and he's dressed in this little concrete gray suit, you know. And he's standing there, and he's just getting into his Mustang. You know? <laughs> just has to be. And I just, oh, boy, the whole scene is all there. <laughs> and, and, and it's that kind of aesthetics that Mrs. Stryker you forgot her did you <laughs> don't forget her she's important tonight Mrs. Stryker was that kind of lady you know and she had a house that was made entirely of doilies <laughs> the whole house you know just come in there you know and it had all these little needlepoint chairs and stuff like that and ashtrays that were polished and glistening and nobody dared use an ashtray in that house. I mean, you had to take your shoes off when you'd go in. And she had these little rag rugs that she made. And, and, and wallpaper. And, oh, gee. Have you, ever, have you ever lived in a room with wallpaper that was crawling? You know, it had vines moving up, you know. Little grapes looking down and cherubs and stuff looking down. And she had the wallpaper climbing up. She had that kind of a house with window boxes all around. They were painted apple green and little pansies and nasturtiums growing out of it. And she, well, I'll tell you, she could have been King Kong's mother. She was, she was, she had these two little piercing blue eyes with these rimless glasses. And it was one thing, hit a ball in Mrs. Stryker's yard and forget it, Phil. She had collected over 7,000 softballs. She had tennis balls, ping pong balls. She even captured six kids that never showed up again. I mean, just absolutely. And about every third or fourth day, you'd hear the sirens coming. She would just call the cops on general principles. You know, be quiet. There's something's going wrong. Oh, they're doing something now. And the cops would arrive, and they'd talk to her, and they'd go. So here we are, me and Schwartz and Flick and Bruner. It's a nice spring day. You never realize when disaster's going to strike. This roof right here is liable to just come down the next instant. 
Or maybe a bolt of lightning. <laughs> She's scared of something. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't it be great if, if one night Lyle Van comes down with the news and he says, Today a golden chariot was reported over Babylon, Long Island, flying at 4,000 feet, hurling thunderbolts. And now the weather. <laughs> and so, you know, here we are. We're, 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 we're playing out there. You know, it's one of those ball games where, you know, just sort of casually flipping it in and you... You're belting it out like that, and Schwartz is going back. Watch this one, you know, throwing it back in and out. It's nice and warm. You can hear the birds singing, and you can smell the, the spring flowers. There were a couple of robins walking around. You know, robins and kids are closely intertwined. This robin's walking around, you know, you know looking down, and the, and the kids are walking around, you know, looking for junk, just like the robins are looking for worms, you know, and everybody's out there working, you know, doing his little bit. And, Kicking a junk and looking, hitting fly balls. You know that whole jazz, see? And, and Schwartz is out there now pitching, see? And I'm at bat. Got the softball bat, you know, with the tape all the way up to the top. And we had a softball that weighed 30 pounds. This is the ball, you know, it had layer after layer of tape with little twigs sticking out of it and things, you know. And, and this ball, so Schwartz just lobs it in. I said, watch this. And I stepped into it. I'll never forget it. And you know that moment when you, when you golf a ball and you, you step into it, you get a little bit ahead of it, and you feel you really get a hold of it, you know, those sizzling liners. And I just go, gunk. I turn, oh, oh no, oh. It's Schwartz is, he's standing there like that, see. And Flick is already in midair, his first leap already, right at her bedroom window. Like a shot. You know, just at that moment, it's all hung in time. I can still see it. That ball going right. The best shot I've hit in years. And it just goes, pow! No window. And you can see the lace curtains fly up. You can hear doilies flopping in the house, you know. End tables falling over and vases. And for about ten minutes, you hear crash, tinkle, bing, bang, wow. Thump, wowie. We stood there. I got the bat in my hand. Schwartz is still there like this, you know. But Flick, he's, he's still hanging in midair. He hits the ground, and we all, all four of us, Schwartz, Flick, me, and Bruner, we hit the ground running like cockroaches under the porch. And there we are. Mrs. Stryker is not at home. You know that awful thing? We have committed a crime beyond reason. And she's not at home. I'm sitting under the porch. Schwartz is under the next porch. Bruner is under the hedges across the street. We're in hide, see. We're laying there. And then all of a sudden, we hear on that quiet summer street, we hear the sound of old lady shoes. You know that sound that... You know... All right, you can applaud. It's all right. <laughs> we all know old lady shoes, you know. And you can hear her girdle creaking, you know. And you can smell that, 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 that lavender smell, you know. She's, she's going... You know, just imagine she's got this lace shopping bag, you know. And there's bones or something in it, you know. She's walking. You know, the things that old ladies carry, you know. She's got... She's got little pins and flags sticking out of her head, you know, little flowers and stuff. 
Schwartz. I hear Schwartz. Uh, he's he's a hundred yards away from me. I hear him. <laughs> I hear this groan, you know. And I can see over in the privet head where Flick is. I see a little trickle of liquid coming out. <laughs> oh. Those awful moments, you know. And I'm lying. I'm trying to dig into the dirt, you know. And I hear this. And I hear the front door go over there. I hear it go. Bang, slam. There's certain ladies that just slam doors behind them. Boom. There's a brief pause. And then, how many of you have ever seen Oedipus? You know, at the end of Oedipus, that fantastic animal cry where Oedipus tears his eye right out, and you hear this, it was a primal cry of rage. You see, because Mrs. Mrs. Stryker had always feared that one day we would strike her. And we were always fearing that she would strike us, and now it's happened. And you can just hear the... And I hear Schwartz all over the neighborhood. And then instantly I hear slam, bang, pow. And I can see through the slats on that porch. I can see her standing out there, looking around. It's silent. There isn't a kid within a hundred miles. And there's one poor robin walking around, you know. <laughs> she looks at him. And there's silence, see. She looks around. And then down the steps she comes. And boop, 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 across the street, up the porch, and into my house. Do I have to tell you what that's like? Uh, you, you, your mother, you know that, that old expression, I'll tell your mother? <laughs> Look at the kid. He hears it right now. <laughs> I'll tell you. How many of you, when you were a kid, the worst thing that another kid would say to you, all right, I'll tell your mother. Or, okay, I'll report you, boy. And Mrs. Mrs. Stryker was reporting me. And just like that, I hear my mother slam the door, come out on the steps, and say, where are you? Jeannie! You know that yell? How, how long has it been since you've heard your mother calling from the distance? You know, Jeannie! You answer me! I know you're out there! And about ten seconds later, I hear way down the street, I hear Schwartz's mother. Paul! My mother has called her. And then I hear Flick's old man whistling between his teeth. He had an angry whistle that sounded like sort of like a cop siren, you know. And all of us are ducked down into the bushes, laying there. See, see that? They take it on cue. <laughs> We're laying down there in the bushes, and you know, there's a there's a moment when you know you know you got to give up. I crawl out of that porch. I go up the front steps. So what do you want, Ma? Says, you know what I want. What did you do to Mrs. Stryker's end table? I said, do we get her end table too? I hadn't considered that, you know. She said, not only her end table, you broke everything in that room. Just came down. Now, who else was there with you? What a moment. What a moment. This is the moment of truth. Do you turn Flick in? Do you say Bruner? Do you say Schwartz? I stood there. 
well, I was just hitting up fly balls. She says, you were playing with somebody else out there. Now, who was it? Because I'm not going to pay for all that myself. That's all that was bugging her, you know. I said, I said, now you come on, tell me. I said, I'm going to wash your face out with, I'm going to wash that mouth of yours out with soap. Now you tell me. And about two seconds later, I'm hanging over the sink with a bar of Life Boy stuck in it. You know? I spent the better half of my kidhood with Life Boy stuck in it. Now, Life Boy's good for B.O., but it doesn't go good with meatloaf. I got this Life Boy. She says, all right, now tell me. You won't get any supper. Take the bar out. It was me and Jack Martin. I'm, I'm thinking of this little skinny kid. <laughs> There's always one kid in the class that nobody does anything with, you know. He's always just standing around, you know. The little glasses, and he's got a little lunch bucket, you know, with, with little rabbits on the side of it. You know? Jack Martin. I says, me and Jack Martin, we're playing catch. She stood up. She knew this was a bald-faced lie. Jack Martin couldn't catch nothing. And no kid in his right mind would play catch with Jack Martin in the first place. She's your lie. You're gonna get you're gonna get more soap. It's me and Schwartz and Flick and Bruner. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. All right. You're going to bed without supper. Which was great, see. Because I had a pile of Baby Ruth candy bars. She says, you're going to bed without supper. And you're going to pay for it yourself. Ah! That is the whole summer shot. It happened the first day of the second week of vacation. I was working as a paper boy. I was making a cool 64 cents a week. I said, how much, how much is it? That will be $35. Man, Schwartz, Flick, and Bruner, $35 worth of this. And 20 minutes later, all four of us are sitting behind the Sherwin-Williams sign. Well, Schwartz wasn't sitting. He had an old lady that used to practice drop kicks with him. And we're all sitting back there. And we're trying to figure out, we were trying to prorate it, that how much is the batter responsible? How much is it responsible because Schwartz threw me an inside ball? How much is it responsible because Flick owned the ball? And if it had been a good ball, it would have gone straighter. We're sitting back there. All four of us trying to figure this out. 
And then all of a sudden, down the street goes Jack Martin. And instantly, like fiends, all four of us went out and kick him. There's always a sucker in every crowd. We'll be back in five minutes. Let's hear it. Okay.